Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, and we pray, Father, that your word will be spoken and that you'll be glorified and that we'll worship you in spirit and truth, and all that is said will be for your glory and honor. Turn, if you would, Amen. to John 3. Gospel of John in chapter 3. John 3. 3 where Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Jesus here is speaking with Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now if a, if a man cannot see the kingdom of God, He's not going to be there because there won't be any blindness in the kingdom of God. And then let's look at verse 7. Jesus said again to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So we see that in order to be right with God, you must be born again. Now how... Does the new birth come about? How is one born again? Well, when John the Baptist came and prepared the way for the Lord, the first words out of his mouth were, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then later, when Jesus came and he was tempted by the devil, and then baptized, the first words that he spoke in his public ministry were, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see that repentance is very important. And Romans uh, 2.4 tells us, the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. Now, if we turn to John 3.16, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot, except a, uh, a man be born again. I have to look it up. I'm having a senior moment, I guess. That's all right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, in order to be born again, a man must repent of his sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was sent by God and paid for his sins. Now, J.C. Ryle, an old-time preacher man, who was born in uh, 1816, and he passed on in uh, 2000, or in... 1900. He wrote of this and he cited several characteristics, evidences, if you will, of the born again Christian. And he used 1 John for many of them. A man comes to God, he knows he's unworthy, but God, who is rich in mercy, has forgiven him and saved him from death and forgiven him his sins. We know in uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's not talking just about the physical death, it's talking about uh, the eternal death in the lake of fire, the second death. Now we know when one believes in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live in him. <coughs> and when, when one is born again, he knows he's unworthy, but God who is rich in mercy has forgiven him and saved him from death. Therefore, he has no inordinate fear of death. Romans 8.1 tells us, There is therefore now 
no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, he may at times have fears and doubts and feel like he has no faith at all, but he does not go by his feelings. He goes by the Word of God because the Word of God never changes. It's our solid foundation. Hebrews 13.8 tells us, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not. He's born again. <clears throat> Secondly, he does not indulge in sin. 1 John 3.9 and 5.18. Let's turn there. What is it? 1 John. First John three nine and five eighteen. First John three nine three nine. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. First John five eighteen. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he's begotten of God, and he keeps himself. And that wicked one touches him not. <clears throat> he does not indulge in sin. The Apostle John here is telling us that the born-again man no longer is a friend of sin and habitually sinning. He hates sin, and when he sins, it grieves him at his heart. 1 John 1.8. Let's turn there. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If he said he had no sin, he'd be lying. However, he hates sin, he resents its presence, it causes him grief and sorrow. He knows he's not perfect, and that evil is always present, but his desire is to not sin at all. When he sins, he repents of his sin and he forsakes it by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. He's born again. Are you born again? Thirdly, he practices sin. He practices righteousness, I'm sorry. The born again man is a holy man. First Peter, 1, 15, and 16. Let's look at that. 1 Peter 1, 15, and 16. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Again, he knows he's not perfect, but his desire is to not sin at all. He's born again. First John 2.29, the apostle tells us, Everyone that practices righteousness is born of him. His focus is on the Lord and he endeavors to please him in all his ways. He's aware of the battle within for his soul. But he is the man of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does 
will prosper. Again, he knows he's not perfect in his earthly tabernacle. But nevertheless, it is his goal. He reads, prays, and meditates in the Word. He has the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that. He walks in the Spirit, not the flesh. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 5 through 9. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Again, he knows he's not perfect. He reads and prays and meditates in the Word. He's born again. Are you born again? He loves the brethren. 1 John 3.14, let's go there. First John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. He's born again. He loves all mankind as our Father God has commanded us, but he has a special love for all true believers in Jesus. He's never so much at home as when he's with them. He loves the worst of sinners as he was at one time. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He has fellowship with the brethren. He can have no fellowship with the ungodly. Turn to Ephesians 5, 5, 11. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 11. 
and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. He knows that they are, we are all in the same family, fighting the same enemy, traveling on the same road, the narrow road that leads to heaven with our Savior Jesus. They understand one another because they're grounded in the Word of God. They're different in many ways, but they're one in the Spirit, united in the Spirit of God. They're born again. Are you born again? Fifthly, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He does not make his judgments or his decisions on the world's standards of right or wrong. He steers clear of worldliness. He's motivated by the Spirit of God within him to obey and to please God. He's familiar with the scriptures. 1 John 2:15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but whosoever does the will of God abides forever. He finds no pleasure in worldly foolishness. His main concern is to please God, not man. Galatians 1.10 For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He's born again. He knows God is with him. He's cool and calm and together, man of God. He's supposed to be cool, calm, and together, man of God. May not always be. Yes, Sanja. Um, you said Galatians 2 what now? 1.10. Galatians 1.10. Okay, 1.10. Thank you. He's born again. Are you born again? Sixthly, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, 18. B. He that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. He that is begotten of God keeps himself. The born-again man is mindful of what he exposes himself to. He does not take part in corrupt conversation. He, he's wary of situations that may lead to sin, and he avoids them. He uses his time wisely, redeeming the time. Let's turn to Ephesians. 515. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. <coughs> He wears his armor continually so as to be prepared for battle. He's a soldier of the cross. 
Let's turn to Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. <clears throat> He's born again. Are you born again? And the question we all need to ask ourselves, am I born again? Do I have the characteristics are they in my heart? Do I conduct myself that way when no one will see me? When I have thoughts that I shouldn't have, do I entertain those thoughts or do I give them over to the Lord? Now there's a vast difference in how they are displayed in each one of us who are born again. In some individuals, they're very visible. In others, not so much. But they are there. The Apostle John seems to conclude, those who have these characteristics are born again, and those who do not are not born again. This question is most important. Let us all examine ourselves and ask ourselves this question. Am I born again? The answer determines your eternity. Now, uh, if there's any questions, see if we can entertain some questions. I was going to if Pastor Bob was here, I was going to say, we'll take questions. I'll take the easy ones. Give the hard ones to Pastor Bob. Thank you for going slower. I can hardly keep up with Bob anymore. I tell him that. I said, I just can't. I can't keep up with you anymore. So thank you. Does anybody have questions? to keep uh, the armor of God on. Always stay in the word. And uh, remember that uh, Psalm 1 where it says, when you're, when you're on your, in your bed at night, you're thinking about the word of God. I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of weeks that I've laid in bed and preached a sermon this same sermon to myself, but uh, <laughs> it never got perfected. But the Word of God is perfect. And uh, no matter who says it or how they say it, there's power in the Word of God. I remember one time uh, <clears throat> many years ago, I was going to college in Michigan, and it was early 70s. And uh, they, it was a humanities class. It was called Comparative Religion. And they, we went on field trips 
and we went to a, uh, a mosque. And we sat down and the uh, imam told us what they believed. And then uh, they opened it up for questions and I raised my hand. They called on me and I said, what does your religion believe about Jesus Christ? And he lowered his voice about two octaves and he said, well, we believe he's a great prophet. Then I said, do you believe he was the son of God? And when I said that, this guy went ballistic. I mean, he lost his mind, started hollering and screaming. And I said it in a, just a tone of voice that was nice. But my purpose was to expose the false religion to my classmates, which I think happened. We also went to a, go ahead, Howie. Go ahead we also went to a synagogue and uh, they opened it for questions, and I asked the, uh, the um, rabbi, what does your religion teach about Psalm 22? And he said, it has no Christological significance. <coughs> but anyway, uh, Howie, you had a question? Yeah, when you're talking to someone, and I've been through some of this, but you know everybody's different. But you have someone who is unsure about their faith. They've done all the steps. You know, I, when you say, well, you know, do you believe this? But they're still questioning their salvation. What type of sort of incentive, not incentive, but uh, encouragement do you give them to continue to, to study and to seek after God? To, you know, I mean, how do you say that and, and sort of how do you direct them to doing that? <coughs> well, because you know, an almost saved person is one of the most dangerous people in the world. The Word of God is so clear. Let's, uh, let's turn. My dad showed me this many, many years ago. Turn to Isaiah 35 8. It says, and an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wafering men, though fools, shall not err therein. In order to be saved, you can be a complete stranger in here and understand it, and you can be of the lowest intellect and understand how to be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Jesus said, he that believes in me has everlasting life. You're not going to get it when his body dies. He already has it. Whosoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out, he said. <coughs> and uh, I don't know if, if all of you have ever seen this. God's simple plan of salvation. The reason we call it a simple plan of salvation, it is, it's not that it, it's simple, but the part that we play in it is so understandable, just like here, from the lowest intellect to the highest intellect. You can't make a mistake, and in Romans, it tells us there's no excuse. And uh, we, we believe the word of God. And remember in here where I was talking, his feelings change. Feelings change. Everybody's got different feelings. But we go by the word of God, which never changes. I am the Lord, I change not. And uh, then in Hebrews, let's see, where was that? Which one? Yeah. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. He didn't come down to condemn man. Man was already condemned. We were already condemned. He came down to save man. And whosoever believes in him has everlasting life. 
It's not complicated. It's uh, like they say, it's not rocket science. The Lord made it so simple because he came to save that which was lost. And that was all of us. Lance? Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's right. There's no excuse. Especially in this country, um, there's a church on every corner, so to speak. And you can see it on TV. And people talk to you about it. We witness for the Lord. And like I said before, we love all mankind. We love the sinner and we talk to him about the Lord. Marianne and I were down uh, this, uh, I don't know what this, uh, is this, this was of God, I think, but we went down to River Street and we sat at this open, open uh, bar on the river. And uh, this was the night of the deacons meeting. I forgot all about it. <laughs> and, and we were sitting there and there was two, two fellas sitting next to us. So I started talking with them, and they were uh, pilots for uh, a rich family. And he said, there's eight of us, and we go in pairs. And I asked him, I said, do you guys pray before you fly? He said, no, we never do that. I said, it might be a good idea. <laughs> I said, because people are dying at all ages, and sometimes it happens fast. And that's why Jesus came. And I, I told them about Jesus. And uh, they, were, uh, they were respectful. But they didn't stay too long after that. Well, they might have went and go and pray, Brother Ron. <laughs> <laughs> they might have. But you, but you planted a seed. Pardon? But you planted a seed. That might have been a, a divine appointment. I was hoping, I, I prayed for them that the Lord would open their eyes, watch over them and give them understanding and convict their hearts. <clears throat> and we pray that for everyone that we come to talk to. Sometimes we talk to a waitress about the Lord over the years and uh, our neighbors. I have one regret though, uh, <clears throat> a neighbor of ours across the street had a heart attack, passed over, passed, just fell over and died. And the, the day before that, I was out in the yard working and he stopped by in his truck and we talked. And uh, I think I'd talked to him before about the Lord, but I didn't mention it uh, that night when he came by. And uh, then he was gone next day. You know who I'm talking about, right, Steve? So sometimes, uh, you know, the word says that uh, be instant in season, out of season. I mean, it's always time to talk to people about the Lord. When the Spirit gives you the wisdom and the uh, um, opportunity to do so. Pam? I'm so sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you three times. Pardon Please me? Forgive me. I didn't mean to interrupt you three times. No, that's all right. Did you have a question? I was in Dollar General last week. I was trying to find a birthday card for my grand my grandson. I'm not sure that he's given them, but anyway, I keep sending them. But there was a lady in there and I asked her if they still had cards because they had moved them somewhere else, a different place. And she said, Oh yeah, they're back there. Somehow Somehow, I don't even remember how, started talking about the Lord. And um, 
she said how some people had accused her of doing drugs and that she said, hey, I worked two jobs and I wouldn't be able to do this if I was um, doing drugs, which I knew that not to be true, but anyway, because my son was working three jobs and doing drugs, but anyway, I didn't say anything. She said, but just, I told these people that are accusing me of this, it's just because the people I hang out with are doing that doesn't mean I'm doing it. I said, oh, but the Lord tells us not to be hanging out with people that are doing the things that don't honor him and that he has forbidden. Because, because number one, you will be associated with them, and number two, you won't have the right to be surprised with, you know. I don't know if you knew Christ. That's like, right. I what I could. That's right, and we I'm should. Free. We should avoid uh, uh, situations that may lead to sin. We should avoid uh, uh, situations where there's corruption. And, uh, and we and should we continually have, have our mind on the Lord and, uh, and be wearing our armor. There's uh, offensive weapons in our armor, the sword of the spirit. And there's defensive weapons, shield of faith. And then we're prepared with the helmet of salvation. So it always have an, what that, what's that scripture? Steve, you familiar with the scripture where it says always be prepared to have a... To make a defense. Pardon? For the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense. Yeah, always be prepared to uh, give an account. Uh, give a defense of the gospel. It's from, the, it's from the Greek word uh, apologia, whether you're the Christian. Well, apologetics is the defense of the Christian faith. Or the defense of any faith, actually, apologetics is. That's where they get that word from. Yeah. Always be prepared to make an apologia for the faith <coughs> that is in you. Now, I don't... Uh, I, I have... Uh, um, if you go to Matthew 7... I don't know, you're, are you familiar with Matthew 7? Matthew 7 has so much in it. But the one thing <clears throat> that I'm thinking about right now is in, uh, verse, starts in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and beat upon that house and the winds blew, and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, the Christians, we built our house on the rock and we're gonna face the same storms of life, but our house will stand, our house will stand. But those that don't have the Lord, have rejected the Lord, doors will fall down flat and they're condemned. <coughs> We still, yes, sir. All right, so when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 11, it says, uh, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So I was wondering, it says you were sanctified. Um, I thought like sanctification was a continual process that we go through as Christians to be made holier like God. So I don't know why it said we're sanctified. I guess I shouldn't get hung up on that one little word, but. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it does say that in past tense. Yeah, it does say we're sanctified. That's why I was when in the Lord, he says we have eternal life. Right. We don't, uh, it doesn't seem like we have it here right here and now, but we have it because when God says it, it's so. Right. So that's the, uh, I don't know how to exactly explain that except. Uh, I get it what I just said. But when the Lord says it, it's as good as done. And uh, also just on that, I mean, Paul, Paul uses that language in Romans too. He says you, 
you were saved, but you are being saved. So I think it's the same with sanctified. You were set up, sanctified means set apart. You were set apart, and you're being set apart each day. So you, you were saved, but you're being saved. You're being made more like about like set apart, I think to me that helps. You were set apart and you're continually being set apart. I got you. That's good. Here, here's something else uh, that I think about quite often, a favorite scripture, to, uh, to talk to people about that don't know the Lord. <coughs> In uh, Luke 16, How fast, uh, well, the scripture says the, the body without the spirit's dead. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So here's an example in uh, Luke 16, starting in, uh, in verse 19, I'll read a, a lengthy passage here. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. The thing here that uh, caught my attention, it happened so fast. As soon as the spirit left the body, he was present with the Lord. Well, back then, that was before Jesus died, so there. He went to uh, paradise. Uh, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. <clears throat> but the one who died in his sin, he was already in hell. He said, uh, in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. He didn't even ask uh, to get out. I guess he'd heard the word before, and he knew he was there to stay. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou that in thy lifetime you received good things and Lazarus evil things. Now he's comforted and you are tormented. And beside this, between us, there's a great gulf fixed. Nobody can pass from there and, and nobody can pass in the other direction. He said, I pray thee therefore, Father. I find this uh, ironic. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He's concerned about his uh, brothers, and he's in hell. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And shortly after, Jesus went unto them from the dead. And so many do not repent, even though one went to them from the dead. He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Gospel was in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Some believed. Uh, but we, we plant the seeds and some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. We can't save anybody. We can live life before them, love them, tell them about the Lord. But we can't save them. And we don't have to be nervous about it because 
the reason we we tell people about the Lord because we're commanded to and because we have the love of God in us. But we plant the seed and then God gives the increase when he opens their eyes of their understanding and then they realize and they make their decision to come to Christ or reject him. Now, I could say that this is not original with me because it's all been said before. It's being said now, it'll be said in the future. Repetition, redundancy, God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. <coughs> so, in my case, I was raised in a Christian family and I don't know the, 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 the mercy of God is so awesome. I don't know how many times I heard the gospel through the years I was going to church. My folks were taking me to church. I heard it over and over and over again. But I never repented and received the Lord and was born again until I was in my mid-twenties. Some folks respond right away and some folks like uh, who are slow learners like me takes them a while. To me until I was fifty, and I was in church as a child. Are, are there any any more questions? We still got thirteen minutes. Hey, Ron. Uh, I think something interesting about this story that you just read about the rich man and Lazarus. Now he's talking to the Pharisees because they were, this is my translation, but they had been sneering at. gives Lazarus his name, but he doesn't give the rich man's name, and I just wondered if it's one of their buddies. <laughs> you wonder what? If the rich man was one of the Pharisee's buddies, oh. and he doesn't want to tell him who it was. <laughs> you know, that's there's another question in there. Uh, was this a uh, parable? I think it was an actual happening because all the other, all the parables, no, no one had a name. This is a specific name, Lazarus, mm -hmm. and I think it is an actual uh, story that was actually true that the Lord was telling us about. Yeah, I think so. It was supposed to give me the money, that brother Ron. Pardon? He was supposed to give me the money, brother Ron. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. He was supposed to give me the money, brother Ron. <laughs> Who was supposed to give you the money? Who? The rich man. The rich man. Oh. <laughs> he fared sumptuously every day. I thought I think you uh, teach very good, Brother Rob. I enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, thank you. Um, I was I was also thinking about. Uh, the things that are going on in the world are so serious. I mean, there's war in Ukraine, mm -hmm. and there's untold suffering and brutality and cruelty. But what do they have on TV? Johnny Depp and his <laughs> wife uh, <laughs> suing one another. We don't care. I don't care about that. I don't know if any of you do. I don't uh. think so. But uh, we, we haven't watched no, TV in a long time now, so we haven't had TV, and it's yeah. not been missed. So uh, I need ten more minutes of questions. <laughs> Ron, uh, I just want to read something here that's interesting, uh, and it says, um, "And it came to pass that the beggar died." was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And then it says uh, about the rich man that he also died and lifted up his eyes in hell. So they both died at a certain point in their life. And it's common sense, but I, I don't think we often think about dying. 
very often. We get busy with our lives. But <clears throat> yesterday, coming home from work, I was in traffic at the rent and uh, turning on the bull, and the truck in front of me turned. And if that had been me, there was a car that blew the light and hit him. And Julie, me, and the kids went up there about a half an hour after I got home, and the full intersection was all backed up. And we got to talk to the fellow that got hit. And uh, with all the equipment in my truck and all the tools in it, if, if that had been me getting hit, I, I might not be here today. So mm -hmm. death is real, and it, it could happen like that at any time. And we each have a soul. We are a soul. It's not really right to say you have a soul. It's proper to say it's right to say you are a soul. So uh, just you made me think of that tonight. Yeah, this thing yeah, about uh, we don't think about death much. I'm 82. I think about it now and then. I, every time I, I read something where somebody died, they're not 82 yet. <laughs> and uh, but it happens fast a lot of times. Well, even if we live to be 80, that's still a really short life <clears throat> compared to eternity. Um, I'll bet this is true of most everybody or everybody in here. Um, what happened to me? I've had times in my life where I thought, Oh Lord, this situation, I can't live with this. I can't live with this in another, another minute. Uh, and all I did was say, Lord, help me. And then, before I know it, that mountain is like a molehill. He's, he's caused me to have the peace of God that passes understanding. He's, he's helped me put it. He's put it in the proper perspective within me. That proper perspective is so important. And sometimes it's so hard to get there. <clears throat> he was walking on the water, took his eyes off the Christ and started falling in. So he, when Peter was walking on the water towards Christ, and then he started looking at the waves around him and all his troubles, and he started sinking. And uh, Christ called his name and he said, you know, I'm gonna have to get me a hearing aid. I can't they don't fix everything, but they do help. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, uh, well, I, I bet this happened to a lot of you. Uh, you got in situations that uh, could be uh, very disastrous, like you, you were close there, and uh, it could have been the end for you, but the Lord, no matter how close you are to the precipice, if you're in the Lord, he does not let you go over the precipice. I've got someone in my family <coughs> who's been so close to that precipice. And uh, the other ones in the family, the daughter said, Dad, she's doing this and she's doing that, and uh, you've got to do something. And I said, We've done all we can in the flesh. Now we pray and ask the Lord to watch over. Then we go to bed and sleep like a baby. And that's what I try to do. I try to not to worry. The, the, the scripture says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, and then there's another scripture that says, uh, be anxious for nothing. They seem to conflict, but they don't conflict because when you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you've got no reason to be anxious for anything because you're in the hands of God and you're sealed with the Spirit of God. Whenever I run, whenever I have doubts, a verse I'd love to go to is Second Timothy 1. 12, and it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he, that's uh, Jesus Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. For the Apostle Paul is not, it's not his work. That, that verse always gives me assurance. It gives me peace. 
because it's not me, but it's Jesus Christ who I'm resting <coughs> for my my assurance, my salvation, not my work. Talking about the Apostle Paul, he said, uh, "I could wish myself accursed for my brethren according to the flesh." I thought about that. I don't think I could ever do that. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. That's a love there, but uh, I don't think I could do that. It wouldn't happen anyway, even if you did do that. But getting back to the, what we were talking about to begin with, are we born again? Do we have those characteristics? I mean, are they in our hearts? And when we are out, are we... Uh, the Bible says in Corinthians, I, I don't know exactly where, we are, we are created unto good works which God has prepared before us. And when we come to them, we need to do that good work. That good work has no part in saving us, but it is a work of God that he's put in our path that he wants us to perform that pleases him. And uh, that's our, our goal is to please God. Please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. And all of us who are born again, the spirit of God dwells in us. Paul says, what, know you not that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? We got one more minute. Any more, another question? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I want to say it was in John. I had it open, then I closed it, and I can't find it again. But we were reading about it, and it said, um, once we're saved, that we, you were talking about um, cannot be born again, or um, something about you have to be born again to get into the kingdom. Nicodemus was talking. And then we went to the next one. I want to say it was in John, and it said, once we're born again, we cannot sin anymore. But don't yep. we deal with sin every day? And I know that our hearts don't want to sin because God changes us. Even when we're alone and nobody's looking, when we're thinking wrong or we're doing something wrong, it weighs on us until we repent. So I get that part. But it said we cannot sin. And I, I didn't understand that. The, the apostle, I believe, is telling us that we don't sin habitually with our heart, with our whole inclination anymore. We're, we hate sin. Right. Because, sure. and the Lord took it pretty seriously. He sent his son down here to pay for it. So we hate sin. We want no part of it. Uh, but yet it plagues us. Hmm? It does plague us still. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be perfect. Steve? We leave sin, but it doesn't the pastor's not here for the hard questions, Steve. Uh, let me, as I always do, give a good nod for church membership for that answer. <laughs> so you know me well enough. That's a great, re one of the million reasons why God's called us to live lives in community as people of God. Because if we just look at our lives and get super introspective, I think we can deceive ourselves. The Bible says don't be deceived. And one of the ways that he uses us is, I mean, so David's a new member of our church, so if, if I'm all of a sudden not coming to church, then it's his responsibility with all the church in front of to say, why aren't you coming to church? You're walking in sin. You are living in sin. This is open rebellion. Not just, oh, I think you might be sinning, but sin. And then that calls us back. God uses 
brothers and sisters to, to do that. And if we're not in that context, <coughs> one, we're disobeying God. Two, we're, we're likely to be deceived. We're likely to tell ourselves, well, right. we're not living in sin. Um, and then God uses that. And ultimately, if we do not turn away from our sin, then the Bible says your, your profession was probably not genuine. Um, and so, right, there, there needs to be daily repentance. Right, and, repentance. and there is. Yeah. Or your heart gets changed when you're saved. And you start, even if you're thinking old thoughts or you're doing an old habit, it weighs on my heart until I pray about this and ask for God to help. I don't want to continue that anymore. But it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's the only way to get. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we sin, we don't run away from God. No, you run to. We go right back to him and repent of our sin because the spirit so in us. So that basically is what that meant that we can't continue to sin? I think so. Yeah, to, we can't live in sin. That doesn't mean we aren't going to sin a thousand times today. Because I, I could give you a thousand different ways I sin today. I mean, a thousand. Thoughts, just missteps. But, it, but if you're living in unrepentance, Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, and we pray, Father, that all that's been said and done here was according to your word. And we thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy toward us. We ask you to lead and guide each one of us, and Lord, if there be any here that are not born again, we pray, Father, that you'll open their eyes and their hearts, their eyes of understanding, and draw them to you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory because you deserve it all in Jesus' name. Amen.